Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you know to the core of your being that God is good. In spite of how hard life can be sometimes, and in spite in times of us being tempted to think otherwise, know that he's good. And let's keep celebrating that, huh? It's amazing, amazing truth. Let me pray, and then we'll jump in. God, we thank you that we can come into your presence and do what we have just done, which is to praise you from the bottom of our hearts. God, you've given us these instruments called voices where we can sing. And somehow, Lord, as we do that, our spirits are activated and we just, we just rise up in, in, in one voice and we say how good you are. And we remember your truths. Um, Lord, we, we pray honestly today that you have been blessed with what we have offered to you. Um, and we pray now, Lord, that as we look at Scripture again, this incredible book, the Bible, as we try to understand what it is that you have for us as followers of Jesus, that um, you might work in us so that our hearts might just turn around again and embrace what you call us to as an act of worship before you. So, Lord, be with us now. And we pray indeed that we might uh, understand again your goodness, your truth, um, your reality as we share together what, uh, what is being prepared. So Lord, speak to us and take us forward in you, we pray. In Christ's name, we ask these things. Amen. Well, you know, there are a lot of people who don't believe in God. I don't know whether there's anyone here who doesn't. It's possible. But there are lots who just don't. And I suppose there are lots of people who do believe in God and uh, don't let that impact their lives very much. You know, it's just a reality that's there and it doesn't seem to have if you would, significant effect. And I'm going to ask this morning, if that were ever to change in the lives of those people, those groups of people, what do you think would have to happen? I think some people would stand back and say, well, they need the rational evidence for the faith. That's the cognitive ones among us, right? They need the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. They need, the, they need to know why the Bible is true, and on and on it goes. And you know, that's not bad stuff. That's good stuff, particularly for some people. Other people might say, you know what, what people really need to kind of come to that place of really believing in, in the Lord uh, and in Christ specifically, they need to encounter a, an authentic biblical Christian. You know, enough of, of, of them encountering people who claim the name of Jesus, but they're legalistic or judgmental and they condemn everybody all the time. They're angry. On the other end of the spectrum, you know, people who, who claim the name of Jesus, but they're so much like the culture, there's nothing distinct about them anymore. You know, that, that would be the thing. That would be the ticket that would help them come to a place of really believing and having a relationship with God in Christ. And, and I could go on. And again, that, that, that also is a good point. People need to encounter authentic Christians, people who really know and love God and who can love others out of that reality. But you know what I'm, I'm suggesting in this series, as Aaron has already suggested today, is that I want to suggest to you that what people really need is an encounter with God. People who have no idea about him and even disbelieve in him or people who kind of, yeah, I believe there's a God but have no sort of connection with God. They need to encounter God. They need to experience God in their lives to come to a place where they know in their heart of hearts that God is present and God is real. Do you know God is real? You know what I mean by that as opposed to saying I believe in God? Do you know he's real? I would suggest if you know he's real, it's because you've encountered him. You've experienced him. Think of the life of Jesus. He's our Lord. He's the Son of God who came. He's the one who, 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 who is at the center of our faith. You know, when he was here and he walked in, in, in Israel so long ago, 
through him, people encountered God. Powerful preacher, right? Powerful preacher. And, and people would listen to him and say, you know, he, he speaks as one with authority. He speaks differently than all these other rabbis. And in his preaching, they encountered God. Well, of course they did because he was God. <laughs> you know, and then he would go about and he would heal people who were blind or who were lame. He even raised people from the dead. And people would go, whoa, especially if you were one of those people. <laughs> I encountered God. I, I can see when I haven't been able to see all my life, one story tells us. And that person just wanted to follow after Jesus for the rest of his life. Leave everything and go. Right? He was convinced. He came to know the reality of, 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 of the presence and the power of God through the person of Jesus. Think about what happened at Pentecost. And again, a couple of weeks ago, we, we reflected on that day when God gave his Holy Spirit into the lives of 120 people. And all of a sudden, they were able to speak in foreign languages which they had never learned. Talk about an encounter with God. Wouldn't you like to be able to speak a language that you've never been taught? That's what happened. It was miraculous. It was the power of God at work in them. They encountered the reality, and it changed them forever. Think about the apostle Paul, who previously was known as Saul. And again, we spoke to that, and I bring it up again on purpose because, you know, Saul, the persecutor of the church, was struck to the ground by a beam of light, and he had this conversation with Jesus. He encountered Christ alive, this one who he just thought was a, a phony, the one at the center of this new faith that he thought was, was a sham and needed to be destroyed. But it was because Saul encountered Jesus that he became this incredible leader of the Christian church in the first century and the writer of much of the New Testament. You know, I could go on and on, but the, the point is this. It's an experience of God which changes people and leads them to the place of deep faith in Christ. You know, I'm going to ask a few times this morning, have you had the encounter with God? You know, have you had those moments in time? And I guess to my point today, do you continue to have those moments in time where you know you sit in the presence of the living God, you stand in his presence, you know that he's, he's, he's there and he is at work? It's a powerful thing to happen in life. Point today is God wants you to experience more of him. That's what scripture calls us to. I'm convinced of it. It doesn't matter whether you're someone seeking God and you haven't kind of crossed that line of faith yet. You haven't come to a conviction about these things. Or if you have just crossed the line of faith and you know, you're what the Bible calls a baby Christian, you're young in faith, just starting out, lots to learn. Or whether you've been a believer all your life and you're mature in the faith, the Bible says. You know, one of the spiritual fathers or mothers in the faith and, 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 and you've encountered the Lord for a long, long time. Wherever you are in the journey, God wants more for you of himself. He wants you to encounter him day after day, time after time, experience after experience, so that you become and your life becomes what he calls, you to, to, uh, calls it to become. You see, the reality is God wants us to experience him as real and as alive and present in our lives and active in our lives. And I'm here today, I hope, to tempt you to long and to hunger for more. Hunger for more. So we're going to jump back into John 14. It's probably the, if not one of the main passages in the Bible that teaches us about the Holy Spirit. Um, we're going to read a couple of verses today as we have before. But let me, let me set the context uh, to you in a way that I didn't a couple of weeks ago. John 14 starts with really famous verses spoken by Jesus. They're often read at funerals. They don't have to be only read there, but that's where they, this, these verses tend to get read. And, and Jesus says to his disciples, uh, do, uh, do not let your hearts be troubled. They're upset. 
because he has told them, I'm going to, going to go to the cross, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to die, and I'm going to leave you. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. Trust me. And he goes on to talk about heaven and how if he goes away, he's going to come back and take them to be where he is and all those wonderful things. And then he starts teaching about the Holy Spirit of God. Now, you have to understand the context and how important it is. And particularly when we read these verses that I'm going to bring to you now. Verse 16 says this. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. And I want you to note the word particularly today, another. It's captured me. And really this, this uh, sermon today arises out of that. He's going to send you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. Some translations say another comforter. Another translation says to be an, another counselor. But the word I want you to focus on is that word another. Verse 18 and we're going to unpack that in a minute, it says this. I will not, Jesus speaking, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will not leave you essentially alone. You see, what is an orphan? An orphan is a, is a child without a parent to take care of them. An orphan is, is, is a little child, generally speaking, a young person who, who doesn't have someone there to provide for them and to protect them and to love them and to be good to them, to give them the things that they desperately need for life and well-being. Jesus says, I'm not going to do that to you. You know, you know the, the reality is that these, these men, for the most part they were, I think, they were, they were troubled. Why? Because they thought they were going to be left as orphans. They thought that Jesus, who had led them and who had guided them and who had taught them, was going away, and they were afraid that they would be left without someone to provide to them what he had provided to them previously. And what Jesus is saying is, no, 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 no. You don't need to worry. I'm going to go away, yes, but you are not going to be alone because I'm going to send you another counselor, another comforter, another helper, the message version says another friend. As I have been a friend to you, so the Holy Spirit is going to be a friend to you. As I have guided you, so he will guide you. As I have taught you, so he will teach you. I'm going to send you another one to do exactly what I have done for you. And his name is the Holy Spirit of God. It's just to me a really intriguing sort of way to approach this text and to approach the reality that we can experience God in the same way these disciples, those 12 people whom Jesus chose and, and taught so that they could lead the Christian church in the first century was with them. You see, in the same way that the Son of God was present to them, he was real, he was active, he was powerful, so the Holy Spirit of God can be real to us. And he can be real and he can be present and can be active and he can be powerful. And then Jesus says, a couple of chapters later, John 16, verse 7. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, the comforter, the counselor won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. You see what Jesus says? Look at that word. It is best for you that I go He's saying to these people who don't want him to go, who are afraid of his departure, he's saying, no, it's way, way better if I do go away. You will be in a better position. And he gives lots of reasons in these texts why this is so, including the fact that not only will, the, the, will God be with you, but he will be in you by the Holy Spirit of God indwelling us. Talk about intimate, connected relationship with God through the Holy Spirit versus what these men knew through the person of Jesus, if you would, physically. So Jesus says, no, this is the plan. And it is so important for us to understand this. Just as Jesus was with his followers and just as they experienced him, so the Holy Spirit is present for us that we might experience God now. 
And I want to tell you that's every person who claims the name of Jesus and trusts in him. If that's you, he's talking about you. You can encounter God in ways that are wonderful and beautiful. And I want to, you know, kind of work my way through some of these examples with you today. Bottom line this morning, the question is, are we experiencing the Spirit of God in the same way that Jesus' disciples experienced him? Can you grapple with that? Because I hope a lot of people here will come out and say, you know what, I'm not, but I want to. I long to encounter God in a beautiful and in a life-changing way. So let's look at the examples. <clears throat> I would suggest to you, just as Jesus taught his disciples, so the Holy Spirit of God is to teach us. Again, a verse we've referred to, but I'm going to go back to it. John 14, verse 17. It says this, the Spirit of truth, speaking of the Holy Spirit. We've got to back up a verse there, guys. I'm sorry, I've given you the wrong verse. We need to go to 16. Can you do that quickly? Look at those guys. Isn't that amazing? Just snap your fingers, and there it is. I will ask you... That's not it either. <laughs> okay, I don't, I'm not going to take time to look for it now, but you know what? <laughs> As I have taught you before, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit of God will come and he will lead you into all truth. Um, there it is, verse 14, verse 26. But the counselor the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Isn't that an amazing thing? That just as Jesus taught, and you read the Gospels, you know he taught, he preached, he told parables, he spent his time seeking to convince these men of the truth of God, and women too, which started, who started to you know, gather with the twelve. You know, he, he taught them because he wanted their minds to be open to understand the life-changing reality of who God was and what God wanted for them. As Jesus taught, so the Holy Spirit of God will lead us into all truth. Now, um, I'm here to ask you today, is, is, is the Holy Spirit of God doing that in a regular way in your life? Are you encountering through Scripture the truth of God as the Spirit of God comes and moves in your mind and in your heart and opens your eyes to let you see things so that you know that God is here and God is active and God is alive in me? I want to tell you a story. It's a simple little story. I was doing my devotional time. You know what I encourage you to do? Time alone with God, with the Bible. Uh, about a week ago, I was reading Psalm 115. And, you know, with Psalms and with many passages, I'll reflect on it for a lot of days, not just, well, I'm going to read it, and, okay, that's what it says, and I move. I want to, I want to mine this for truth, right? I want to know what God has to say through me through any particular passage. But in this instance, I read, read it for several days, I just sat there and thinking, you know, I'm not getting it. Like, I mean, I was reading it, but I wasn't getting it. it. You know, there was no spiritual dynamic arising from the text. I didn't sense the Spirit of God um, speaking into my life. But let me read you to, uh, a little bit of this and tell you what happened. Psalm 115, verses 1 to 3. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Why do the nations say, where is their God, Israel's God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. Now, that's all good stuff, right? I mean, okay, well, Lord, what's the truth that you would have me know? Speak, God, was the idea in my head. You know, I, 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 the, the passage goes on, and it talks about how people in that day worshipped idols and said they have eyes, but they can't see, and they have ears, but they can't hear. They have noses, and they can't smell. They have mouths, but they can't speak. They have feet, but they can't walk. Well, yeah, I, I know that. That's what idols are like. 
They're just physical objects made of wood or metal. But no impact for Chris Little. No God speaking profoundly into my life, making a difference for me. So you know what I did? I did what I've taught you often to do and hadn't done. And to use the words of Rick Warren, which uh, when we studied the word of God under his leadership as a congregation a year and a half ago, I prayed the prayer of illumination. You remember that? And I just closed my eyes in the presence of the Lord and said, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will illuminate this text. I pray that you'll open my eyes that I might see and understand specifically what you want to say to me in it. And I opened my eyes and I read the text again. And I want to tell you, my friends, God's Spirit acted in me. It was literally, if you would, like a light went on. Not literally, like, like <laughs> figuratively, like a light went on. And I go, ah. And, and, and here's what I saw. I thought, about, I thought about what the text had said about idols, how, how they're dead things, they're inanimate things, they can't accomplish anything. But then I compared that to the verse that came before it, which says, but God is in heaven and he's alive and he does whatever he wants. And all of a sudden, I sense the Spirit of God saying to me, you know, God can move in your life in a profound way. And he's ready to. And I went to verse, uh, to verse 9, which says this. All you Israelites, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. And I'd read this verse probably a dozen or more times in the last several days, but all of a sudden it jumped off the page at me. The Spirit of God brought it alive. And the Lord said, Chris, you know that struggle you're going through right now? You know that thing that's causing you anxiety and, and keeping you awake at night? I want you to trust me. And you know what? I want you to trust me because I'm going to help you. And I'm going to be your shield. I'm going to protect you in this somewhat difficult scenario you find yourself in and all in that moment the truth of God came to my mind and it settled into my heart and faith rose up and I, I could settle and rest in the Lord the one who is trustworthy the one who is my helper the one who is my protector and I knew that I knew that I knew that God had spoken into my life by his Holy Spirit the truth of God for my blessing do you see that that's not that's not dramatic that's not like you know, you know, some incredible miracle took place. But I want to tell you, a miracle took place because the Spirit of God was present and He was active and He was alive and I knew it. And I was changed. You see, the Spirit of God does what Jesus once did. He teaches truth to the people of God. And He taught me truth that day. Does the Spirit of God teach truth to you in such a fashion? Do you have that those moments, whether it's on a Sunday morning or whether it's when you're sitting at home with the Word of God open and you pray the prayer of illumination, Holy Spirit, speak to me in specific ways, the truth that you would have me know so that you are blessed, can happen. The Holy Spirit exists to lead us into truth. Second thing the Spirit of God does, as Jesus once did, was to guide, is to guide our lives. Jesus guided his disciples. He was the leader they followed. You know, that's where we get the idea of following Jesus. <laughs> Come and follow me, he said to these people as he called them into, into ministry, essentially, into relationship with him. But I want to tell you in a similar fashion, so the Spirit of God guides us. Um, he leads in concrete and specific ways so that we directly know what we might know in order that we might do what he wants us to do. And I'm here to ask you, is that how you live your life? finding direction from the Spirit of God. I want to use a story from Acts chapter 8. 
It's a story of a man named Philip. Philip had been converted in Jerusalem after Pentecost. Thousands of people had had come to faith in Jesus. The church just thrived for a time, and then a persecution came. You can expect that, by the way. We have an enemy who doesn't like the church thriving. And uh, Philip, along with many other people, had to flee for his life from Jerusalem. Remember that Saul character before he was converted? He was likely busy at this time. He was in persecution. And it says uh, in the text that, an, he was, that Philip was told by an angel of the Lord to go south to the desert road that leads to Gaza. And we all know Gaza. It's in the news all the time now. We know that, that location. But I want you to notice how the Spirit of God specifically and directly guided Philip in this text. He came across a man in a chariot, and the text says he was reading the, 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 the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. Let's read Acts chapter 8, 29 to 31. The Spirit, now note it, the Spirit of God told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Just walk over there and walk beside it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you were reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, I want you to notice, even though it's an incredibly simple little example, that the Spirit of God told Philip to go and walk beside that chariot. And because Philip, if you read the story, went up, says he ran up beside that chariot, that that man ultimately became a follower of Jesus because Philip became the one through whom the Spirit of God opened that man's eyes so that he might see and believe. It's an incredible story of what God can do by his spirit if we will just be aware of the fact that he is God and he is present to us and he wishes to speak into our lives, not only by revealing truth to us, but guiding us in specific ways as to how we should live our lives, what it is that he wants us to do. I'm going to tell you a story that I'm not particularly proud of. You know, sometimes I tell you stories about my relationship with God and what God does in my life, and you all probably think, oh, he's a spiritual man, and I just admire him so much because he's so godly. Well, I'm going to tell you one where that's not the case because I think it's important that you know that all my experience of God isn't always positive or successful or good. Um, some time ago, I, I, I knew of a couple that was really uh, struggling in a difficult place. It's quite a while ago, don't try to figure out who they are. You probably can't. <clears throat> not, not, uh, not at IPC. Um, and I, but I would drive pi past their neighborhood. I can picture myself doing it even right now as a visual person. I drive past their neighborhood, and, and I just had this nudge in my heart which said, you need to go visit those folks. Just take a little time and drop in on them. Give them a call, arrange them. Just go. I believe now it was the Spirit of God trying to lead me like the Spirit of God did lead Philip. And that, you know... Time went on, I drive by again, and I just feel this deep sense, you need to go and visit those people. It happened a bunch of times, and here's the somewhat embarrassing thing, I didn't do it. And it's not because I'm saying, oh, God is speaking to me, but God, I'm going to fight you in this one, and I'm going to disobey you, and I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to refuse what your will is for me. Quite frankly, I was just too busy. I, get so many, I had so many other things to do. I just didn't get to it. And sometimes busyness is the enemy of the kingdom of God. You know that, don't you? In my life as in yours. Church work kept me too busy from doing what I now believe God literally wanted me to do. 
And I tell you this story because months afterwards, I, I, I had occasion to talk to this couple, and they were telling me how really difficult this season in life, it lasted for several months, this season in life had been for them, and they said to me, but you know what, Chris, you know the most difficult part? We were alone, and we had no one to talk to. And it's like a dagger in the heart, right? Oh, you idiot, you. <laughs> Why didn't you just do what the Spirit had prompted you to do? And I've confessed that, and I know God is gracious, and I know you all will be too. <laughs> but you see, it's a point that illustrates the reality, and the reality is that God, by His Spirit, will directly guide us to do the things He wishes us to do if we will just listen and hear the Spirit speaking into our lives, just like He spoke into the life of Philip. And when we hear and we obey, I want to tell you, blessing just flows. We encounter the reality of God, but other people encounter the reality of God too. And God's work is done. And God's will is done in this earth. My friends, the more I'm in this faith, the older I get, the more I, I deepen in my relationship with Christ, the more I learn that the Spirit of God, He is present and He is alive and He is active and He will lead us in specific ways to do exactly what he wants us to do. Part of the tragedy in my life, and I would expect in your lives too, is we have the Spirit of God, but sometimes we act as if we don't. We don't attend to the Spirit. And we don't even notice sometimes what the Spirit of God is doing in us. So number one, the Spirit teaches, and I hope and I pray that you'll give the Spirit that opportunity. Number two, the Holy Spirit of God guides us in unique and distinct and specific ways. If only we will hear and obey. Number three, this other counselor who came to do what Jesus had already done. Jesus was the first. This is the next. You know, he was the, Jesus was the first counselor, and another one would replace him if you would. We are told to pray in and, our, in and through our prayers to see the power of God change lives. As gently can I ask, is that happening in your experience? Uh, some months ago, we were dwelling in Ephesians chapter 6, and it says, put on the full armor of God so you can stand against the attack of the devil and so forth. And we worked through that material, and, and, and you know, you put on the truth, and that happens is because the Spirit of God teaches you truth and enlightens your mind. And it says, put on faith, and that happens because the truth bolsters our faith, as I described to you earlier, and so on. But at the end of the text, it doesn't actually, the text doesn't describe it as an actual piece of armor, but it says this, uh, that we are to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And I want to tell you, if we will pray in such a fashion, God will act through us in powerful ways in order to accomplish His purposes, and we will see God act in me and through me. And others will experience God too. I want to read a couple of passages from the life of Jesus. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, first of all. Note the role of the Spirit in Jesus' life. Remember, Jesus was a human like us, fully human, fully God. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, this is just after his baptism, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Even Jesus was led in specific and intimate ways. Where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil, he ate nothing during those days, and at the end of, the, of them he was hungry. And then comes the temptation of Christ by the devil, which he overcomes because he's filled with the Spirit and he's able to do so. Now, immediately after that paragraph comes the verse that I want to, want to mention to you. Luke 4, verse 14 says this. Jesus returned to Galilee. Listen, in the power of the Spirit, 
in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. Jesus, because he was filled with the Holy Spirit of God, was able to do incredible things. And if you've read his story, if you've read the gospel accounts, you know the kind of things he did. I've mentioned his powerful preaching. It changed lives. It opened eyes to see and, and enable people to believe. He, he, he touched people who were blind so that they could see. He healed people who were lame. As I said, he raised people from the dead. The power of God was at work through the Lord Jesus. It was an incredible moment in, in human history. Later on, after the formation of the church, after Pentecost, Peter is, is preaching to Cornelius and other Gentiles just after people, uh, Peter realizes that, you know what, the, this gospel message is not just for the Israelites, it's not just for the Jews, it's for all people. And he says this about Jesus, describing his ministry. Acts 10, verse 38. Talked about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. What do you think about that last little phrase? Jesus was able to do things in power because God was with him. I kind of find it a little odd myself. Jesus was able to act in power because God was with him. Well, wasn't he God? Wasn't he the son of God? Why did God need God in order to do powerful things? It's a direct reference to the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit as the verse makes so incredibly clear that was present in the life of Jesus coming out of his baptism, coming out of that time when he encountered and overcame the power of sin and evil in his life. You see, the reality of God with Christ enabled him by the Spirit, enabled him to do powerful things for the kingdom. Let me ask you this question. Guess who else God is with by his Spirit? You and me, so says the Bible. And because God is with us by his spirit, I want to tell you, and I'm going to put it this way just to make my point, you have the capacity in Christ <clears throat> and by the power of the spirit to do remarkable things for the kingdom of God. Sometimes we don't know it. Sometimes we don't think very much about it, but it's true. It is really true that God could move by his spirit in you as he has in so many other people in the early churches we read about and he has for 2,000 years to accomplish his purposes in dramatic and wonderful ways so much so that you encounter the reality of God and so that other people do as well. So it's a phenomenal reality that we need to step into if we choose. Jesus said... <clears throat> John 15, and you know this verse has been significant and powerful to me since I preached it months and months ago. But he says, depending on the translation, if you remain in me, if you abide in me, if you live in me, if you live in close connection with me, Jesus says, and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. That's what Jesus said. You have the capacity if you're in intimate relationship with Christ, to ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you, Jesus said. Now, either that's true or it's false. It's either the reality of our faith or it's a bunch of hogwash. <laughs> I don't know about you sometimes, but I, I come to a place sometimes and I think, you know, if this thing is real, we've got to step into the reality. We've got to encounter the reality that Jesus promised we could, if only we would. So you see, we too, as Jesus did when he was empowered by the Spirit, can do 
dramatic and wonderful and, and, and fantastic things simply because we act in, the spirit, in, in an appropriate fashion and the Spirit of God moves powerfully through us. Now, let me say this. We're going to talk a little bit more about this as, my, you know, before and after my holidays and all that kind of thing. But sometimes we pray and, it, and nothing happens. Sometimes we pray and, you know, that power doesn't emerge out of our prayers. And there are reasons for that. And there are, quite frankly, lots of them. You know, Jesus said in John 15, if you abide in me, live in me, make your home in me, all those sorts of things, and my word abides in you, then you can ask and I will do what you ask. But what if we're not abiding in Jesus and his word's not abiding in us? We cannot expect a powerful answer to prayer. We're going to talk in, in, in some time about being filled with the Spirit of God as Ephesians chapter 5 tells us Jesus was. And it's when we are filled with the Spirit of God that the power of God can move through us and because of our prayer. But if we're not filled with the Spirit of God, we can't expect a thing in response to our prayers. The Bible talks about grieving the Holy Spirit as we sin. We literally grieve the heart of the Spirit of God. We can't grieve the heart of the Spirit of God and think the Spirit of God is going to move powerfully through us. But you see, my friends, what I'm saying to you is when we get these things right, when we are in intimate relationship with Jesus, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, when we are living more and more in this life of righteousness that we're called to and the Spirit of God is enabling us to do it. And when we do sin, we're confessing it quickly and moving back into fellowship with Jesus. It is then that this can happen and God can move. And I guess I'm here today to say, hey, how much do you long for that reality in your life? How much do you long to be able to be in that place of intimate relationship with Jesus and be able to ask him for things that only he by his Holy Spirit can do in power and then see that reality emerge. How much do you want that? How much do you long for that? You see, the reason, I, one of the reasons I guess I think I've been led to this, uh, led, <laughs> I hope by the Spirit of God to preach this series, is that we as a church might become more hungry for God that we might get to a place where we are just longing for more of him, more of the reality, more of the truth transforming our lives, more of the intimate leading of God so that the will of God plays out, more of the power in prayer so that the kingdom might come in power. And I think I'm just here today to say, do you want that? because it becomes a possibility for we who are in Christ. As soon as we open up our lives to the Lord Jesus and we confess our sin and we invite him in, my friends, his spirit comes and as scripture teaches, that Holy Spirit of God dwells within us and the potential is born for all of these things and more. I say to you today, my friends, this is what God's desire and will is for you. He longs for you to know his truth and to be transformed by it. And he will speak it into your souls if, if you just let him. You know, are you, are you living on a subsistence diet when the only time you're exposed to the word of God is on a Sunday morning? Can you imagine eating one meal a week and expecting to do well? No. I hope when you come here, you're encountered by God's truth, even this morning as I speak, and that you are 
convinced that all of a sudden I am sitting in the presence of God and God is acting in my mind and in my heart to reveal to me truth so that I know what I, what I might do for him. Are you content with, 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 with the truth of, that, that, that you are encountering in God? Or are you willing to go home and day after day open this book and say, Lord, by your spirit, open this, this book to me and speak profoundly into my life so that I know exactly what you're saying? Are you content with the amount of guidance that the Holy Spirit's providing to you? Or would you like to be like Philip on a daily basis? Wouldn't that be cool? Every single day you get up and the Spirit of God speaks and you do it and all of a sudden the kingdom comes. That can happen in your life and in mine. And are you hungry? Are you hungry for this reality that I've described to you that we can simply pray in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ so much so that the power of God moves in this world and the will of God is done? I'm standing before you very simply to say this dynamic can be your experience. You can experience God in greater and greater and greater measure throughout the course of your life as you go deeper and deeper with him. And you can know that presence and you can know that activity and you can know that reality and you can know that power and through you, my friends, God will work. He will bless you and he will bless other people because that is his desire for you. Simple question in the end. Who here is hungry for more of God? Let's pray. Lord, I guess the reality is that in so many ways, uh, your church for too long has lived sometimes with form, but not without the powerful reality of the Spirit of God, your Spirit moving profoundly within us. And God, uh, we would pray today as a congregation that, Holy Spirit, you would move, that you would teach us your truth, that you would guide us in specific ways. Lord God, that you would come <clears throat> and be so present and real to us that we would be able to pray in such a fashion as instructed by Jesus so that you would move powerfully through us and through our prayers. God, we long for more of you as a congregation. And Lord, I just know there are many people here today, they long for more of you in their own personal experience. And as a result, our God, we open up our lives to you and we say, come, Holy Spirit, move in us. Prove your reality to us time and again as you act as scripture says you will act just because we are seeking you with all of our hearts God we would be a church in which the Holy Spirit moves powerfully and through which the Holy Spirit moves in ways that will accomplish your purposes in this world so we open our hearts to you we open our minds to you to that end and we invite you in to do what only you can do through us our God, this we pray in the name of Christ.